Do you know anyone in your life who's just good? Just a good person? Well, if you don't, I'm about to introduce you to one. Her name is Diana Estes. If that name sounds familiar, it's because she's my mom and she rocks. She's awesome. And I'm going to get into some conversation with her around her passions in life, why she chose to become a speech pathologist, and why she chose to give of herself to her family, friends, and people around her, uh, no matter what. And this song goes out to her as we kick things off, because there's nothing she likes more than to be better together with everybody. So my mom shows up at the house for the interview, and we sit down in the media room. I'm trying to set the mood just to make sure she feels comfortable, so I throw on YouTube, and I say, what's your favorite song? And she says, Respect by Aretha Franklin. We're singing, we're singing, we're jamming, we're jamming. She's having a good time, just taking it easy, loosening up for the interview, and she goes, you know, this is the song I want played at my funeral. And I'm like... Okay, that's an interesting start to the night, but uh, noted, and I'll make sure that I make that happen. So here we go. People down the street, you should meet Diana Estes, the very first one. She rules rock and roll. Let's do it. Okay, we're off and running. Let's go. So the first thing I learned is what song you want played at your funeral. <laughs> that's, Thank you. That's good to know. It's Respect by Aretha Franklin. Yeah, and everybody should dance. Okay. Everyone should dance, and that'll be at your funeral. Uh, let's try to go back to the beginning. Let's not start at death. Let's start back at, at birth. And cut start them. at death. Let's <laughs> just start at death. Starting at death is fine. Oh, that's funny. Let's bring the mood as low as we can. That way, anything we do from here is on an upward slope. So, where were you born? When were you born? How were you born? Actually, that's for a different show. <laughs> So, 1957, born in Miami, Florida, that is, St. Francis Hospital on Miami Beach, one of the only hospitals back then, and then moved, well, I was only six months old, they throw me in the back of a Chevy. Who's they? My mom and dad. What were their names? Dick and Phyllis. Dick Haig. (laughs) The only, one and only, Dick Haig. Funny funny story, I called Andrea, my sister, your daughter, today for her birthday, phone rang and she picks up. And all I said was, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, you asshole. That's only my day I say it. Happy birthday to you. Didn't he leave us with wonderful things to pass on? <laughs> I had to pass that one along. That's Every awesome. year, without fail, you do that one, I to lose it. It was but anyways, very special continue. to us. Right. Yeah, he was the best. <laughs> so they put you in a what? A wagon? Put, us, put me in the back of a Chevy. Back no then there belts. were no car seats. There was no heat. There was no AC. There was nothing except a back seat. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And of course, that's about a week driving to California. And then I was there for 12 years. That's where I was raised and had a pretty nice life in Pomona, which is east of LA. Pomona was a really nice little town. I went to San Jose Elementary. I walked to school every day. We had a giant fair down the road every year. My dad had his horse races down the road at the county fair. He liked horse races? I'm kidding. Yes, let's talk. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get to that. 
It was a fun place to now, be raised. Now, did he move so he could walk to the horse races also? Pretty much, I so, think. So he could walk to the races, and then he knew you could walk to school. Pretty so much think that's how it If he lost everything, <laughs> you could just walk both ways. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. that's pretty smart. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that was the plan, but it worked out that way. <laughs> and we lived along I-10. So our backyard was against I-10, which is like an I-95. We would hear a crash daily. Do you think it was the... 10th interstate ever built is that why it's called i-10 and i-95 was the 95th interstate ever built i have no clue i just thought of that when did you find out you were moving out of pomona so it was a i don't even remember the discussion or if there was one Mm -hmm. i had really bad allergies and the smog was real bad in la and pomona was a valley so it, it would sit there Hmm. So I think the doctor told my dad that you either have to move to the mountains or to Miami. Really? Yeah. He had his family in Miami, his brother and mother. Grandma B. Grandma mm-hmm. B. Yeah. And Grandma Minnie followed us. Oh, she did? Oh, yes. That was my mom's was she, mom. Was she in the back of the wagon? <laughs> I don't remember. Like I think she must have been. Griswolds? <laughs> Yeah. Well, so. did you fly back to Miami or drive again? Drove. Grandma right? didn't like to fly, and I never flew until I was an adult. They drove everywhere. They used to yes. drive to Tennessee all the time in the summer. We, yes, and we drove to Colorado from California. Anything we did as a family was driving. Music in the car? Yeah. yeah. What kind of music? Just the latest. Back then, it was Sinatra and Dean Martin. and That was the 60s? The Rat Pack. So you were in California during the Hate and Ashbury days, 69? Yes. Do you remember that? I was young, so I just remember bits of it. Vietnam War was a big thing. Mm-hmm. The Woodstock. Yeah. Hell's Angels. The, Beatle- the Beatles came to my back door in Hollywood, what? you know, Hollywood, California for oh, the, the first bowl. time. Yeah. And I was only about seven. So I didn't get Did to you ever see go him. to the Beatles? Oh, mm-hmm. But all that was very exciting and disturbing. Vietnam War was happening. We wore our little bracelets for them to come home. And Did you know anybody who had to go to the war? No. No family members? Cousin Tommy Haig was in the Marines, and he was stationed in Camp Pendleton in California. So we would see him once in a while. Did you ever have like a lot of stress around like the drugs and stuff? Or it wasn't really... You know... You didn't feel it. Well, you were in elementary school, so you'd have been pretty rebellious if you yeah. were in that scene. You know, LSD was really big, and the, oh. the music reflected that. Right. Coming out then in the 60s, psychedelic. I was. But like, you never got into that, did you? No. I was a goody two-shoes... I had ah. the monkeys and the Beatles and Bobby Sherman on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that is. Who's Bobby Sherman? Oh, you have to look him up. <laughs> Bubblegum music, they used to call it. Was he cute or was his music good? Very cute. Oh. They had to be cute. Uh-huh. Yeah. Then they were all up on my wall. Yeah. None of the, you know, uh, deep purple. I was scared of that. <laughs> Why you thought that drugs would like just... Drug music. (laughs) Yeah, they would just magically enter your bloodstream if you listen to the music. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little scared. Doors were big then. Morrison, he was weird. Good thing you didn't go to the concert in Miami where he uh, flashed the crowd. No. That wouldn't have been good. They're all in drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That was me. Did the culture influence your clothing? I wore my flower jeans and my beads for fun. I wasn't a hippie. It was an interesting era. No invites to join the Hells Angels? You weren't interested in that? Mm Mm-mm. 
Mm-hmm. Remember John cool. Kennedy? Yeah. So we were John F. Kennedy? John F. Kennedy. First grade. Wait, JFK? JFK. Did you ask if I remember oh, yeah. JFK? <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. But it was a very important time in my life, in dad's life, in, in all of ours of that age. Because it's sort of like 9-11, mm-hmm. where you will never forget where you were. And we were only seven. Oh, where were you? First grade in the school. And they shut everything down. And we all had to walk home. And you never forget that. You know, it was big, big time. Did Grandpa leave the track? Everyone wants to know. I'm not sure. Mm. (laughs) They shut down the track. I bet not. They definitely (laughs) did not shut down the track. I don't even have to check the record. would not have stood for that. Yeah, it was a blip on the radar. They're like, uh, we'll, we'll delay starting time. Hey, shut time. everything down except the track. <laughs> except the track. <laughs> that must have been a shock to the system, though, because yeah. when you're a kid in elementary school, to hear that would be uncomfortable. Yeah, it was a big deal. Columbine happened in, what, 99? And then 2001 was 9-11. I remember going to school between those three years, and it was uncomfortable. You were mm. wondering if somebody was going to blow mm. up the school. Yeah. I feel bad for the kids because... There's so much information out now. When we were kids, you had to hear it from Walter Cronkite. Mm. Seriously, was the only guy you heard it from. Mm-hmm. It was three channels on the TV. When he got on, that was the truth. And then there was nothing else. So now it's just so much information that that's hard to process. Can you imagine when you're seven, Cronkite comes on and he says, the president has been shot. And you're like a kid, you're like, oh, I generally know what a gun is. And I guess a bullet came out of the gun and went into the. Now you get every angle of every single. Did you just mouth? Thank you. You're disgusted. I'm disgusted, but Mm -hmm. I'm just concerned about that. Yeah, because I don't think we can handle all of that information. I think children especially need to be protected Mm -hmm. from some things. You know, I was kind of sheltered, right? We're pretty sheltered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good or bad, I don't know. That's just what I tried to do. I'm sure there was a lot you weren't sheltered from. <laughs> uh, hey, between your dad sheltered. and my dad. <laughs> yeah, true. No. Bad words. Uh, <laughs> no, I wasn't yeah, sheltered. Yeah, I mean, from. for the most part, kind of watched what you watched on TV, and I tried to do that. But we do a little bit of that. I mean, I think your point was, and I appreciate it, was it's difficult to process certain things at certain ages. So if you expose to everything, it dilutes the reality of everything, right? What because, it really is. Yeah, yeah, I know. Because then when someone says, well, that's not appropriate, you can't know the difference because you learned it too young. Yeah. Or heard it too young. Yeah. Hmm. And just one more thing of that decade. <laughs> the first the man 70s? on the moon. Oh, 60s. 69. Right. We watched that on TV live. No. That was huge. What kind of TV did you have? It was black and white, Black right? and white with the two knobs and the antennas. So my dad would stay up late with me and turn that on to see the live. So that was big times in the 60s. That's cool. Yeah. What other shows were on TV? Oh, fun ones. The um, Monkeys, Bewitched, and Gilligan's Island. Mm -hmm. Seems like it was all like fun, light shows, variety shows. I miss those. Well, the most important thing that ever happened to you was me. So let's try to get to that. Sure. So that was the 60s, then the (laughs) 70s. What happened in the 70s when you moved to Miami? 70s. I was just trying to get through junior high and high school. I was a good student, so I didn't have much trouble. Why did you say you were just trying to get through? Well, they're tough times to be in the junior high and high school. You were the new kid. So. Did you know anybody? I was the new kid. And it was, I was kind of emotional. I remember feeling faint sometimes. 
<laughs> like, where am I? And my, my sweet friend Terry took me under her wing. Oh, yeah, Terry. That's when I met Terry. And she had three sisters, so she knew how to take care of another one. <laughs> <laughs> so you would go to school, you would feel lightheaded. And find Terry. <laughs> and Terry would save you. Well, you figured it out. You got through junior yeah, I and high school. I sc- I scooped ice cream when I was 14. First job. Where was that? Worked till 11 o'clock at night. I don't see kids do that anymore. No. Oh my God. I had a real job. That was before they had... Prehistoric times. That's before they had the uh, serial killer episodes on Netflix. So you could do that. Now people know exactly how to be a serial killer. There's literally a tutorial on Netflix right Mm now. You just go on. You just like start the episode and you take notes. You're like, "Mm, okay. I can do this, huh? Yeah. There's just a Baskin Robbins right on the corner. (laughs) 31 flavors. 31 cuts. Let me see if I cut them 31 times. I could be the Baskin Robbins (laughs) serial killer. Listen, I was in my pink and white short skirt outfit by the most Sundays contest. I got on the corner of 79th Street and Biscayne. Yep. I remember. Which is not a very nice area now. <laughs> at lo- 10 o'clock at night. It depends what you're looking for. <laughs> so it was a different time in 73 or 4, whenever that was. Right. 72. Because we could do that. I worked till 11 p.m. My dad would pick me up. I have a muscle in my right forearm okay. that will kill someone right here. Because of the scooping of the ice yes. cream? <laughs> it's still there. I'm not kidding. I'm not That's kidding. hilarious. Right there. Try it. Try what? Scoop the ice Scooping cream? Scooping ice cream. Or, or arm wrestle you? Hours a day. <laughs> it's too much work. Did dad ever come in and visit you at Baskin Robin? No, I didn't know him then. Okay. But all my other friends did because I gave him free ice cream sometimes. Don't, don't tell the owner of the 1973 Baskin Robbins <laughs> on 79th Street. You know, I think the statute of limitations on recouping back wages is like 100 years. I think so I'm back that. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. It's probably like five years. I should know that, but I was never a wage thief like you, so... <laughs> Uh, so you got through junior high school, you got through high school, then what did you do? So after high school, I went to a quarter at University of South Florida in Tampa. Well, it's University of South Florida now. It was then. There is a University of Tampa, which was in the middle of nowhere, and it had no football. It had nothing, and I I took that course of speech and hearing correction, which had a little anatomy in it, and it sounded interesting. That's your passion. We got to get to that. It was my passion. What made you seek that? Because you're in Miami. Grandpa's got the restaurant, Mm -hmm. 72, Mm -hmm. 73, football sandwich shop. The year of the undefeated Dolphins, don't forget. 72, I didn't forget. 72. Dolphins going Bob Greasy. Bob Greasy. <laughs> Dick Anderson. Represent. Dick Anderson. Yep, amazing. Zonka, Larry Zonka. Right. Our main sub was named after him. The Zonker. Zonker. <laughs> Grandpa opens this restaurant based on the names of the football players. And you're there, you're working. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you outgrew your Baskin Robbins job, and your choice was either be a professional arm wrestler or go the speech pathology route. Is that right? Yes. And why did you, you told me about this earlier when we were off air, your passion was helping kids who had deficiencies or how do you, how do you say it? Teach me. 
when I was 15, I was a volunteer. I always volunteered helping the kids at the United Cerebral Palsy. Mm-hmm. So cerebral palsy, if you've never seen a person with cerebral palsy, their thinking capacities are normal usually, but their physical abilities are, they're disabled. So I did a lot of feeding them and just playing with them. I was a kid, but I always went and worked with children uh, that were handicapped with disabilities. Before you went to USF? When I was a teenager. How'd you get into that? Your parents? I just volunteered. I'm always looking for things. So I sought, you woke I up that one out. day and you were like, I want to help kids. I don't with even know how I did that. I just always was looking for something. And I don't recall where I must have met somebody that got me into it or something, but I always looked for volunteering in something and then it ended up with children. And that's what I did. In the old days, mm-hmm. they had ads in the newspaper. So it might have been like what I did uh, looked for ads where they asked for volunteers, something yeah. like that. Was this when you were dancing also? And I danced. Then I Don't leave take, that out. Tell the truth. T- <laughs> taking my dance classes, mm-hmm. going to school, volunteering. You know, I was happy doing three or four things at one time. That was yeah. me. Those Playing calves tennis. weren't built in a day. No, playing tennis. I was on the tennis team. At school? You know, in high school. I didn't know that. Yes, I was. Cool. almost passed out one day. It was so hot. I remember that time. Have you thought back to why you're fainting all the time? <laughs> because that's come up a couple I almost times. did there on the couch. <laughs> I mean. Called hyperventilating. That's what I did. Because you were yeah. nervous, you think? The heat will kill you yeah. in Miami. No, That's I mean cool. that was just a lesson or something that I was doing, but Fast yeah, it was fun to do to a the lot college of things. and after college. Did you dance through college? So the dancing was fun. It was fun dancing. It wasn't like hoochie coochie dancing. It was <laughs> 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 Some people look at me and go, "You you dance." Oh, I know what that was. No. <laughs> no one ever asked you to back it up. <laughs> How do I explain <laughs> what it is? Like, you see these silly groups of dancers. They, I shouldn't say silly because I was one of them that do conventions and bar mitzvahs. I did bar mitzvahs. Really? Oh, yeah. Feathers and... They'd pay you? Oh, yeah. I got $75 a night when I do it. Yeah. So you'd good. have to practice and do the whole routine with everybody. And it was fun. I love cool. dancing. But then you decided to follow your passion. So how did you tell your parents that you were going to USF? Or wasn't, really it wasn't a big deal? It. You he didn't care? No. Why do you mean? He wanted you just to do what you thought was I don't remember the having best. that many. Yeah, he just let me do what I was going to do. Really? I was a good student. And so, you know, I had the ability to go where I wanted at that time. But dad and I were dating at that time. Okay. Right? We're 18. But I was an adventurer and I like to do new things. So I went away for a quarter. But he was very sweet and made sure I had a letter every day in my mm-hmm. na- mailbox. That's so cool. <laughs> And so then I decided to come back. What to, did it say? Was it interesting? Like, was there like a, a quiz game or like mushy stuff? Mushy stuff, probably. Yeah. The kids want to know. The kid, my, gr- I wish my I kids want to know. Saved those. Mm. Mm. Should have. But that's pretty I special. Did. You get a letter a yeah. day. He's a very nice person. Mm-hmm. And he was missing me and, yeah, working with my dad. At that young age. And so then I came back to go to Barry University. Oh. For a year and a half. That's then, in Miami Shores on Northeast 2nd Avenue, which right. is right down the street from where your dad's shop was. Right. And so at this point, I don't even know I'm doing speech yet. When I decided that I probably wouldn't do well with 30 children for a whole day <laughs> in a classroom. I honestly, so, I, I think it's a huge problem. The school system doesn't pay these teachers because that to me is one of the most difficult jobs in 
in the world because I can, let me whisper this, I can barely take care of two kids I know. in two rooms. It's frightening. It's bad. Yeah. And it's me. I get it. Isn't that where we should put our monies and our all of our efforts in raising our kids with the best teachers that could possibly be and treat them with the utmost respect mm-hmm. and value them? And how do you show value? You pay them, Money. among other things. So. If you Are you saying right here live on air that you're running for governor of mm-hmm. Texas? Yeah, possibly. Really? What would you shift away from to cover the costs of the teacher's salaries. Have you thought about mm. that? Of course you have. It kills me that when I see a 7-Eleven, it went up in three days. It went up. Oh, yeah. I know that's private money, but a school. Then money's try no to get object a- when you want a honey bun. <laughs> or an icy. <laughs> we could get schools as easily to help the teachers out. It would be awesome. And give them the dignity of it all. Is what- yeah, that is a perfect point because they don't feel valued at all. Yeah. And they're supposed to be one of the most most matured, poised individuals in our children's lives, and we treat them like they're lesser than. And they can't reflect that in front of children. They right. have to be... Do you think they, they re- go home and they just tell themselves, like, this is my purpose, and even though this is miserable, I'm just going to do this for the kids? And then we're just here, like... Well, because I love children so much, I took a job that was $8,000 a year when I fir- did my first year in, in a school. I was like a teacher, but I was a speech therapist. So I worked less hard <laughs> than a teacher. I, you know, I had three at a time come to me. But that was a salary. And teachers love to teach. They love children. I think they do it if they got paid nothing, but right. that's not the right thing to do. Yeah, that's that's my point. Because they would do it no matter what. And they do do it no matter what. They, they do it. And they do it with a smile on their face. Because don't children hold a teacher to the highest esteem? Right. They were the people that influenced me the most. Maybe not for everybody. But. Parents sit at home and they say, what's the big deal? Those teachers just look after kids and read from a book on a manual. Gosh forbid a teacher strays from that even one camel's hair and the parents lose their minds. It's it's really... I ch- challenge anyone. I was watching a movie last night and I told your dad, get in front of that classroom of high school kids. It's the scariest thing you'll ever do. Mm -hmm. It is. I know. It's just scary. Were you watching Dead Poet Society? (laughs) No, I don't remember. (laughs) Captain, my captain. No, that's another one. You go from Barry to University of Miami. You graduate Mm -hmm. with what? Bachelor's of Science. Speech correction, it was called then. Really? That's interesting. So then I got a job in schools there. They put me in the worst school of the county. What was it called? Bunch Park Elementary. And you did that for 10 years at Bunch Park? Mm -hmm. No. No, I didn't do the whole 10 years. Didn't you take me to that school? I doubt it. That was 79. Oh. I think I was out of there by then. I took you to another school where we were working with hearing impaired kids. Yeah. And did the sign language and everything. A bunch park taught me a lot of things, a lot of emotionally handicapped children and, you know, really makes you have compassion for children what they are living with sometimes. We're going to get to some of the later in life things you did in terms of going off and consulting and working on your own. When you look back at your time in the school system, what are your memories about that? I love the children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the second half of my career was with adults after I was 50. And that's when I started working with adults, which was more my speed at at that point. You felt like it or your career kind of... It was a a little hard to deal with the disabled children and the energy it took and the things I had to do, you know, when I got a little bit older. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about me now. It's the most important thing. (laughs) 
<laughs> so you had me in 1984. Right. Uh, then what? Let's see. At that time. So you were one. I'm dancing, working at home health in schools. How many well, jobs did you sc- have? I was in the schools at that time. And then I found out that the school system would pay for my master's degree. So when you were one, your dad and your grandmas helped take care of you. Well, I went to work first in classes after in Fort Lauderdale. I had to do my internships and things like that for three years. And wow. then I got my master's. And that enabled me to work part time doing like home health and hospitals and things. You got your master's at Nova? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a lot. But I love challenges. Yeah. You kind of like school, don't you? I love school. I always like to learn. That wasn't passed down because I <laughs> hate school. Learning. Yeah. Kind of a nerd. I'm a kind of nerd. I like yeah, school. I like learning. I just learning. don't like school. Something about it. You did well, though. Oh, yeah. Thanks. So I kind of want to know about how you transitioned from working for the school system to working on your own, because it takes a certain commitment, especially in your field. You have to be very specialized and confident that your skills translate into the at-home space. That's a great question, because... It's a whole different animal working in the schools with kids and then having the confidence to go work on your own, mm-hmm. alone, right, in someone's house. Out of your Astro van. And face those people one-on-one and think and know that you're doing the right thing. It's scary. It is scary. As with any job. Why'd you do it? That, well, I'm one of those that just moves around and I, I like challenges. I really do like challenges, I think. You know that basic fight or flight I think people have that tendency of one or the other, and I'm definitely of the fight. (laughs) I will, if there's something I want, I feel like I can achieve and get what I want in the most diplomatic way to do it. But you can accomplish what you want if you focus on it. When you were fainting in junior high school, that that had to be something that you had to overcome, it sounds like. because It was kind of traumatic moving from California. I know. They didn't prepare me for that. I left my dog. Okay, the dog was traumatic. Scotty. Yeah, it was traumatic. What was that? They just left Scotty somewhere. What? With a friend. He said he left him with a friend on the farm. I still don't know what really happened. (laughs) Oh, no. But, yeah, at that age, when you're in seventh grade, it's a tough age. And so it was emotional time. Do you think part of who you became was a result of that experience? You know, one of the questions I almost asked you was, what is your origin story? I heard something recently that said everyone has a traumatic moment or a moment where they have an opportunity to become the hero or the villain. Mm -hmm. And that's their origin story. And heroes take a situation and they find the positive to move forward with and the villains take a situation and they find the negatives and they attach to it interesting so do you think that that experience was your origin story and how you became stronger and i think more direct it teaches you to be brave i had a father that was pretty no nonsense and he just kept going You know, you didn't pout about things and dwell on it too long. You just keep moving forward. So you bury some of those feelings, but you learn to be brave. And it wasn't that terrible of a thing of a time, but it definitely was kind of a sad time for me, challenging time for me. Because yeah. I was a kid trying to adjust now to a new school, seventh grade, you know, those hormones and all those 
things, yeah. making new friends. So, and he wasn't really equipped to have those types of. He discussions. didn't talk to my dad about anything. Yeah, no, no, no. Hmm. Right, he was busy with his own thing, and you had to figure it out. What about grandma? Mm-hmm. Your mom? I think she sensed more how to take care of me than we actually talked about things. Didn't do much talking. No, no problem. No. Neither parents really not did. A, not talk a lot. Not That's a lot. interesting. Yeah. And my dad, did I tell you ever tell you about the bus trips to Disney World where I was the waitress, the hostess? Tell me again. That's a great story. <laughs> yes. So, you know, he was a jack of all trades, but he created this thing where he's going to take retired people on buses to Disney World. So I got my Grandma B songs out like Easter Parade. <laughs> What? Now you can see where I'm going for. What? Uh, you know. What do you mean, on, rec- on record? No, I printed the songs, and I would sing with these people on the bus. I'm the entertainment hostess. How old were you? 14, 15, 16. And we would get them on the bus, and he'd make sandwiches. Okay, here's where the sandwiches started. Hmm. He got to make sandwiches at home. My mom helped him make trays. And so that would be our thing. He'd set up the hotels and the the tour. I walked everybody around Disney World, knew it like the back of my hand. No. Yeah, so that was a fun, actual little period of our life. And I know that you have fond memories of Disneyland also in California. All of it. You grew up there? You know, that was born in 57, the year I was born. How did did he get tickets to that? How did he afford tickets to that? So he was in the furniture sales business. Probably wasn't that expensive back then. So I got to go a lot. Well, probably once a year. I mean, it wasn't that much. Because you've said to me before that you never want to grow up and you just live in Disneyland <laughs> yes. your whole life. Mary Poppins Syndrome. Well, that's or is that things, Peter though. Pan? It's Peter Pan, actually. He never wants to grow up. Yeah, Michael Jackson tried to steal that, but we won't let that happen. It's Peter I Pan. Know. But you've said two things. You said that you never want to grow up. You also said that you have the Mary Poppins, which is you want the whole world to be happy. Yes. So how have you reconciled that in your life? You're trying to make all these kids happy. The school system's weird. Life <laughs> is weird. Parents aren't talking to you. Things are hard. School's shitty sometimes. Mm-hmm. How do you reconcile that? Was it when I was born that really changed Everything your life? Became, <laughs> the sun came up. Everything was fixed. No, really, though. You were where, where do you find that intersection? You mean how to deal with the negatives and the positives? I mean, because I'm an know. optimist. I'm how definitely an optimist. How old are you? 65. Yeah, because no one wants to do the math. Soon to be 66. <laughs> nice. That's okay. Age is just a number. But, but yeah, I, I mean, asked I... you because you, you've had a lot of time to think about the world being kind of messed up. Like, let, let's not deny what that is. But you have this passion and drive to be one with and for the world. So do you feel like you've been successful or is there still work to do? So I'm not one to stay too long in the negative thinking part of the world, because probably if we did that, we'd never get out of the, get to the positive. Mm -hmm. So we always know that those things are going on. We always know the world is going to work in the ways it does. There's going to be negatives and positives. And I choose, and I guess it's in my DNA to look at the positive and to keep moving in the optimistic direction and try to influence by being happy for them, put on a happy face. 
there's an old song, you know, put on a happy face. And I think that if we do that to others, it influences in that direction. Yeah, it's like happiness begets happiness or... It's true, right. The opposite of misery loves company. It's like happiness loves schmumpany. I try to tell people if you're going to watch the news, watch five minutes of it and turn it off. I don't watch the news. I can't do it. Right. And now it's everywhere. It's on your computer. It's on the, the, the ticker tapes and stuff. So I just... That's my one thing that I think people can see what's going on in five minutes because then the loop starts and they just repeat everything over and over and over all day long. And then watch Andy Griffith. And, you know, that's my prescription of life. (laughs) (laughs) Prescription to a happy life. Watch five minutes. So you know what's going on, and then watch Andy Griffith. I know that you've alluded to your family a couple times, so talk about your your husband and your kids. And, and my stuff. wonderful son that was born in 1984. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's me. Such a great gift. Thank you. Us. I have a great husband who is the hardest working man I've ever known. Is the real big feather in his cap. Mm-hmm. He will help anyone at any time. Yep. And he's been a good father. Yep. And we have a great daughter whose birthday it is today. Mm-hmm. And she's brought great joy to our lives and shown us strength and perseverance like we can't believe <laughs> in her life. Mm-hmm. I have a blessed with a great family and we're close and we're magnificent seven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Two grandchildren, a wonderful daughter-in-law who keeps our family together, and my grandchildren, who are the most adorable twin girls that bring us great joy. (laughs) When you wake up on a Saturday, what goes through your head? What are my kids doing? (laughs) Your kids or your grandkids? And grandkids. Kids and grandkids. Really? First, I think, of course. Yeah. We have our own life and things that we do, but I'm always thinking of the kids and the grandkids first. Yeah. And what you're doing and yeah. Do you regret moving to Texas? No. (laughs) Never. Yeah. How long did you live in Miami for? A long time. 60 years. (sighs) Well, 50 for me and Douglas Sisti. That's a long time. Texas was good for retirement. Mm -hmm. It's growing now and everything, but yeah, why would I want to be there when my little kids are here? I know. I'm just trying to get into your psyche of like who you are as a person. Because I know obviously your family is really important. But when you step back and think about yourself. Well, I do. I am independent. And I like to do my own things and make plans and travel. and But treasure those times that I can spend with the kids for sure. I'm lucky to have it all. What do you want to do when you grow up? I'm not growing up. <laughs> I'm just Gonna keep doing what I'm doing now. I'm a got a happy life. How do you stay young? And just try to keep that smile on your face, even when things aren't the greatest. Smile though your heart is aching. Smile. You know that song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that keeps you young and look for keep fun in your life. Keep fun in your life. I think couples need to have fun together and families and your outlook on life. Do you have any regrets? Not really that I can think of. Mm-mm. That's what Sinatra Mostly says. Mostly good. Mostly good. Yeah. Frank said he had a few, but too few to mention. Yeah. That's how you feel? Yeah. And I'd say it's nice to live life where you, you won't have so many regrets when you're making decisions in your life. But you're not extremely risk averse either, are you? 
In some respects, you are because you're trying to not make a mistake you'd regret. But you're I don't not, think about it too much. No? Because you kind of just said that... I mean, I'm conservative. I'm, I live a straight life. I don't do anything too crazy, you know, but... Do you ever want to? Gotta live your life. Do you ever want to, like, work at... Yeah. Go ahead. Like, jump out of a plane, you know, but I'm too scared to do that. <laughs> Why? Just do it. I want to do everything. Like what? Put a bucket list. I don't know. List. Yeah, I'll start it right now. I got an iPad in front of me. Like, I, I don't know. I think you should do everything. You okay, should... hold on. You should live life, baby. Mom's bucket list. Yeah, you should live life. You should do what, what do you, you want to do? Bucket list. Go ahead. Um, Jump gosh. out. Yeah, somebody would have to push me. Airplane. <laughs> I wanted to take skydiving 101 at USF, and my dad wouldn't let me. It is one thing he did say about school. And I couldn't be a bartender for my job to raise oh. money while I was in college. Yeah. yeah that was that another makes, no-no. That makes or sense. a waitress. Uh-huh. Well, have you ever been to iFly? No. You want to? Ava you know what that is? wants to. I know. Ava's my granddaughter. Been. We should okay. go. Okay. I'm putting that here as an option. Yeah. Now, what else on your bucket list? Gosh, I've been so lucky to do the travels we've done. I mean, some of those were on there. But this is a safe space. We're talking about throwing away the inhibition and your theory about no regrets. Hmm, I'm trying to think what I would do. There must be a lot of them. I'll think of them when I leave here. No, we got time. (laughs) This thing records forever. No one cares. Don't worry, I'll fast forward people in their car. Have you ever wanted to be an arm wrestler? Tell the truth. No. Okay. I'm taking that off the list. Oh, I always wanted to dance on Broadway. Hmm. I might be past that window of time. Never know. Yeah, that was really my dream to be a dancer. Um, we could make a music video with you dancing and post it on YouTube and you could fulfill that dream. Okay. Okay. Writing I would look down. ridiculous. I don't think so. Have you ever seen a video called Tootie Tot? <laughs> Nobody no. can look worse than that. <laughs> so what else? I always wanted to sing, like be a good singer. You have a nice voice. Go my ahead. Mother, give us, my give mother us was a good singer. I know. I didn't inherit it. Give um, us a little... Oh, oh, I know what's on your bucket list. Have your son... Is this considered a bucket list item? Let me, let me, let me vet this out. <laughs> have your son play Respect at your funeral. <laughs> you going to send me a memo that you played it? Just leave your bucket list behind, and I'll just check it off the list. That's no problem. I'm happy to do that for you. I'll find some time. What else? Have you ever wanted to live somewhere different? Prague. We're going to Iceland next month. So I'm watching videos of Iceland. I thought, wouldn't it be cool to live one year living off the land? But the winter is 24 hours dark for like months. No, no way. Couldn't do it. But then the summers are light the whole day. And it's just, you know, like naked beauty everywhere. Yeah. But living it is another story. I'm not sure. They pay people to live in Alaska. They do. Have you heard this thing about Italy and they sell these homes for a dollar to gentrify the neighborhoods in Italy? I'll take one. I know. I thought about (laughs) what that would look like. Telling you. How do you how do you get one of those? I don't know. You once told me that one of your favorite quotes is dance like no one's watching, sing like no one's listening, and love like you've never been hurt. Mm-hmm. What does that quote mean to you? Just everything. It's the way I love to live my life. Why? Dan- 
just because singing and dancing, for one thing, are the great release of energy. It's happiness. It's exercise. <laughs> like dancing yeah. to me is more fun than going to the gym. Dance, you get exercise. Music I love and loving. You just can't be afraid in life. You have to keep moving forward. You're going to get hurt. We're all hurt you know, sometime in our life. So you see that. And you, you keep you going. You interpret that ultra literally sounds like you you literally are saying you want to dance because you don't care what anyone thinks right you want to sing because you love singing and you Mm want to love because love is really what keeps you going Mm-hmm. I think you also embody, though, the confidence that I know I see and my girls see, which knowing yourself and yeah. trusting yourself and loving yourself. Yeah. And I know that takes work, but I like that one. So how about teach respect, be respect? Is that kind of like do unto others as you would expect them to do unto you? I feel like that R word is missing. We have to teach that R word, the respect. Um, it's missing in the corporate world. It's missing in friendships respect. and in family dynamics. Leading with respect. You know, they try to be respectful, but they don't lead with it. There's too much narcissism. Mm-hmm. But we have to keep that center in our lives. Love, respect has to be kind of first. And if I may, religion, the teachings of loving your neighbor, respecting that other person for the good of other people kind of runs through everything you do. So you have somewhat of a faith-based compass? And I feel like that is what created some of the confidence that I have and not be fearful of things. Um confidence and security why because you thought there was always larger purpose that was guiding you yeah and i Mm. think we need that because what happens when things go wrong in our lives you have to have a compass that you know you're going to be okay and that there's hope you know where do people find that i find that in my faith when you mentioned that about confidence that's what came to mind i mean your parents instill that in you and help you feel that confidence but it's also something else Have you found that that's been helpful in this stage of your life? Mm Mm-hmm. Why? You find peace. When things aren't perfect? Mm Mm-hmm. Like what, health and stuff? I'm not afraid of really anything. I'm not afraid of dying. Your mom was. Very afraid. And I learned from that not to be so fearful. I had to be strong for her. When was she born? 1933. You know, sometimes that just comes from not knowing how to handle situations. Right. She wasn't informed. With people and with things. And then it comes out in those ways. I look back at it now and I know that it was anxiety. Right. Like she went through that time where she couldn't go over a bridge. Oh, really? Isn't there a word for that? Oh, bridge over troubled phobia (laughs) water. Something like that. So some faith-based. Okay. Let's go on to the next quote. Never criticize a man until you've walked a mile in his shoes, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, this this is the old Native American saying, right. but it was, don't ever criticize a man until you've walked a mile in his moccasins. Really? That's the real way to say it. And I always thought that was powerful, and it's so true. How do we know what each person you're looking at has had to endure and where they've come from and the journey they've taken, which I find very interesting. And it makes you compassionate. That's where compassion comes in. I'm going to flip it on you. Of course, what you're saying is totally true. And that's a great way to live because it allows you to lead with empathy Mm -hmm. and not judge. But Amy, my wife, uses my wife 
uses a different perspective with that quote. She's taught me in times where I feel like people are judging me or I feel like I'm lesser than or I feel like what I'm going through is looked upon as being a failure. She says, you don't know what everybody else's deal is either. And if you think about that and break it down, a lot of people go through different things in their lives and they don't live the same life as you do. So while you could have nine out of 10 things figured out swimmingly and you are a master of nine out of 10, but one thing's not going so well, you naturally focus and say, man, I'm a failure at that one. But you could have somebody else who says, I'd give anything to have that one problem because I can't figure out the other nine. Mm -hmm. Isn't it just like an artist? It's in the eye of the beholder. I think sometimes we have to say, I'm doing this and this and this and this and this. This is awesome. I might need a little help over here and we should get it because we're not perfect, right? Yep. So we have to look at ourselves and see all the great things that we do and our qualities. What is this quote that you wrote? Live life. What does that mean? Oh, God, that's my favorite. Don't sit in front of your television for too long. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Even if it's the simplest thing as taking a walk in the park and seeing nature. If I may, I'll expand on that for you. You tried to promote the use of all senses. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is what live life means, at least the way that you taught it. a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. Which is see, hear, taste, smell, walk, run, grab, touch, uh, feel the breeze. Yeah, experience. Experience. Mm Mm-hmm experiences are no one can ever take those away no and you want to do that with with kids to let them experience as much as they can then they can filter out what they don't really love but i like to expose kids to many things as you can you know learning is big for you so what's left to learn Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. let's get real right now yeah that's a Great question. Let's get real. Tell the truth. There's so much to learn. I haven't learned probably 80% of what there's left to learn. And I've been alive for 66 years. I have a lot to learn. I always want to learn things. And travel motivates me to learn. You're learning golf in in a real way? Sort of. What's your handicap? (laughs) I don't think they can write LOL on the card. Oh, that's what the golf pro meant when he wrote that on my card. <laughs> You're like, I thought that was 101, which is <laughs> LOL. Yeah, it's about 45. 72 Isn't that the plus highest 45 is 117, <laughs> which means you would average more than a double <laughs> bogey per hole. Not that's bad. actually not that bad. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> No, how bad that is. Assuming I did the math correctly, that is, you know, I could be off and then you really could be bad, but. So I have to keep going to the driving range. That's right. Keep practicing. I like challenges. I'm not afraid. No. I could be embarrassed and not do it and afraid that I'm going to embarrass myself. But you know what? I just go try. To your point, you said, I don't feel embarrassed because the reality is if you didn't do anything, you would have a handicap of a million, an infinity. That's right. So if you do something, you're at least doing better than doing nothing. 
The other thing that I was talking about with Amy the other day, or with Andrea maybe, was I remember I used to go for jogs. It was when I was training for a 10K, and Mm -hmm. I would be super tired, like to the point where I couldn't even move. And I would think about my grandma, Irene, who was right down the street at the time, and I thought, she's holed up in that recliner. She can barely get around. She'd give anything to run half a mile in a jogging slow pace, and that kept me going. Yes. So that perspective helps. Because we are blessed with so many right. reasons to keep doing and to keep going. You had me helping the Special yeah. Olympics. You had me helping. And look at those people. Oh, my I gosh. Mean, I, They're amazing. I'm so inspired by, by the people like that. How do they do that? You ever seen They're the... so above us. <laughs> Yeah, have you ever have you ever seen the tennis in the wheelchairs? That's new. Tennis. Love it. And right now Wimbledon's going on. I'm going to have to show you that clip. Mm. It's incredible. They get two bounces. Imagine those people, okay, go way back to when they're in this wheelchair. You either have that fight or flight. I know. I'm going to sit here cuz I can't do anything or I'm going to try. I'm going to roll that wheelchair. A few feet. I'm going to see if I can hit a ball. Imagine how that starts. And then a little more and a little more and a little more practice. Yep. And a little more practice. And before you know it, you're doing something. Yep. You know, you've passed that gene down. I do it for a living in HR. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. really based on a foundation of helping others and being empathetic and uh, finding ways to advance not only the company, but the people at the company in a way that helps them grow. And just this morning, we're driving to school. I'm driving the kids to their day mm-hmm. camp. And I say, are there any nice kids you're meeting at the camp? Yeah, there are. There. Are. I said, are there any mean kids that you're experiencing? And they said, yeah, there's one kid. He threw a car at my back. Ava said that. I said, oh, that's not nice. And Mia said, yeah, he knocked me on the head and he hit me with a car. And I said, did you did you tell on him and make sure that he, you know, the teachers are paying attention? Yeah, we did. And the teachers told us that he has a special brain. And then mommy talked to us and told us that he has a special brain. And I said, oh, okay, well. And Ava said he got frustrated because he couldn't express himself. So he's not... Co- being able to talk. Yeah, he doesn't speak. I feel really bad for him because he's probably inside crying for his mom and he can't say anything and nobody can hear him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, that is deep and that smart. That is very empathetic. Super yes. empathetic. And yes. she started tearing up in the back seat. Thank goodness for the phones and FaceTime. Technology. And technology. Remember, they used to have that service where hearing impaired could... TTY? Yeah, TTY. Well, FaceTime. I watched a gentleman at the airport when we were in Orlando signing to his family mm-hmm. from the FaceTime. And the I'm FaceTime. like, that's amazing. Lifesaver. No, like for a lot of no people, doubt. I think it was a lifesaver. But your legacy continues on. Yeah. Boy, communication is everything. Yeah. And that's what propelled me to go in that profession, because if you can communicate, you can do anything. Because you know sign language, right? Yeah. And that's so important, that total communication where you can some way to communicate. So maybe that, that child might know some sign language. I did teach our kids a little bit, Ava and Mia, but... They showed me. Probably it's been a long time. They might use that for that little boy, possibly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, communication is so important because that's what causes all that frustration. Yeah. Hmm. I have great grandchildren. They're wonderful hmm. human beings. And that's what we want to instill in all the children. 
that empathy in my perfect world. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's difficult because it's like driving. No matter how empathetic and kind you are, there are all these other people around you who influence your space. That's why home, home is so important because, yeah, <laughs> the real world is out there. What do you want your legacy to be? Mm-hmm. That I was a good person that made others happy in their lives. That I could bring joy to others. How do you quantify happiness? Being content with your life without losing that drive to see more, but being content with what you have and where you are. Have you ever figured out how to live in the moment? Because I'm still trying to figure that out. Well, I think part of that is paying attention to but what is right in front of you. How do you cut through the fog of the distractions? Focusing on what's in front of you on just that. Is that why you're staring at me right now? Yeah, I'm focusing on you. <laughs> right. It's intent. It's intent and it's intense. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're in the moment, gather everything that's happening in that moment because that moment's gone. But you have an active mind. That's a good thing. Yeah. But when you're always thinking about the next thing, you lose sight of the current. Mm-hmm. And then you find yourself longing for the past immediately after the current happened. <laughs> I know. Don't ever long for anything. It's, it's, it is what it is. And we live each moment the best we can. And it's okay. It's, you're going to have another good moment. <laughs> True. But yeah, I think focusing on what you're listening to and taking it all in, it's not easy when you're working and having children and trying to keep a house and trying to keep kids and doing everything else and trying to keep your career. Hey, fleeting moments my life now i can focus more we can focus more on what's in front of us yes we have the time to less distractions i can totally understand that yeah they try to teach in the corporate world or the world of business strategic thinking is highly sought after and highly valued because anyone can be transactional and anyone can be tactical at that level of there's an objective i achieve it i move on to the next objective objective Mm -hmm. i achieve it move on to the next objective but to be strategic you have to plan as you're doing something how it will impact the next thing everyone is strategic in their own way like we as humans are constantly thinking about how the actions will impact the broader scope of our lives holistically right like You inherently have to. And then when you're at your life's point, you can say, okay, I can stop trying to plan ahead and just plan for the now. Yeah. There's not like this grand strategy that has to be achieved. When you're at your age, you are thinking about the future Mm -hmm. for your children, for you. And so your mind is in what, 10 different directions all the time. Yeah. Which is a good thing. It's a challenge. It's normal. You know, what's the alternative? That's what I always say. When I feel like I'm crazy or doing, what's the alternative? I'm going to sit on the couch and I have no family and just myself not thinking about anything. Well, who wants that life? (laughs) Right. Do you think that you've fulfilled your legacy thus far? Mm Mm-hmm. Nice. I feel very content. I hope others are content with me too, but... (laughs) I hope I hope that I have. Does any part of you think that Baskin Robbins should name an ice cream after you yes, when you die? Yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. 
the triple berry blast. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm sure there have been times when I've disappointed people and have, I have things to work on and I try to work on things all myself, but fulfilling the legacy of what I said about helping others and trying to make others lives better. I feel content in that. I've accomplished Mm -hmm. that. But I'm, just, I'm I'm never done, right? Yeah. What do you think about the Diana split? <laughs> hmm. Let that. Well, they call me Diana Banana, so <laughs> the Diana Banana split. <laughs> That's good. You're so clever, my son. Thank you. Well, one more question for you. What are you most grateful for? Because that's what you said mm-hmm. is, that's really the underlying theme of some of the things that you and I talk about when we go for sushi. Mm-hmm. You talk about how lucky you are and how grateful you are. I asked you what you think when you wake up on Saturday morning, but what do you think about when you go to bed on Friday night? I say my prayers. I call them prayers. And I thank God for what I have in my life, for everything, for my home, my food, my children, my grandchildren. My life in general, I try to actually say thank you for those things to the universe. <laughs> Pretty good life, huh? Yeah, I'm a lucky person. Mm-hmm. And I think even if you don't have the big things like travel and those things, your life can be happy and content with just the things around you, your backyard, you know, nature around you, walking a trail, children, people. You know, Ange, your daughter, my sister, is starting a company called Comfort Zen, which is centered around this idea that getting out of your comfort zone can provide you with the space to feel more yourself. And to your point, there's so much joy and fulfillment to be found in the simplest things, in simple experiences, in situations where otherwise you thought you couldn't achieve. It really does tie into a lot of things you've said around Accepting challenge, running after opportunity, learning, sharing positivity, mm-hmm. things we talked about in terms of those who aren't able would give anything to do some things that people who are able can do. And those who aren't able can still find joy in things that work for them. It's just tapping into that space in the world. Right. Yeah. Getting out of your comfort zone is is probably important for certain things that you're fearful about. Yeah. You have to overcome those somehow. What are you fearful of? So I I just said that to my husband. I don't fear things. Are you in denial? Well, maybe. I don't really have fear. If you keep yourself busy enough doing things, there's not enough time to think about all that negative stuff on the TV, all the negative stuff over here and what I should be afraid of. And I just try not to to waste time doing that. I think Andrea's... uh, Angie's app that she's developing sounds really valuable. Yeah, we'll have to have her on the show to ask her about that. Yeah. If you had a megaphone on the top of... Empire State Building? Yes. What would you tell the 65 going on 66-year-olds out there? Hmm. Live life. (laughs) Hmm. Like no excuses, right? Get out, do something within your capacity. So many opportunities, you know. Because you said if you could tell yourself something 15 years ago, you'd say, hang in there. There's so much happiness ahead of you. What do you mean? Mm. That did sound like I was unhappy. When I wrote that, I even said, well, 
I don't think I was that unhappy. Maybe if you are unhappy or having a lot of struggles and challenges, just to keep going, to keep working at whatever. You know, we've had our marital, you know, being married isn't the easiest thing. You have your challenges. Mm -hmm. And so when times get like that, you have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and look forward and that things will get better. But it's not an accident that things get better. You have to work on it. You really work at it. You have to work Always, at it, yeah. and it takes great patience mm-hmm. and perseverance. And trust and respect. <laughs> and trust and respect and all those things, yeah. I mean, 10 years ago was when I moved to Austin, so not that it's about me, but yeah, it's possible. It was and, hard. Yeah. And what would you tell someone who is going through a work transition from corporate world to working on their own and being a... Hmm. So use all your knowledge that you've acquired and have the confidence because you know what to do. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just being brave. Even if you're not credentialed, you know, because you had the backing of a master's degree, you had your certifications. But you have all this experience and knowledge is the same thing pretty much that's all that is leverage technology ask questions don't be afraid to network mm-hmm. live life be brave be brave i think with those transitions you just have to be brave and confident don't let fear overtake you because it's probably not a rational feeling knowing this recording is gonna live in eternity is there anything you want to say to anyone <laughs> to capture tonight go ahead i think you're amazing <laughs> She's, she's looking right at me when she says that. Thank you. And just that I'm so grateful for my family. Hmm. All of all of you. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Well, you've said a lot. Almost everything. This is going to be episode one. I'm telling you right now, there's going to be more than one episode with us. Really? I can feel it. Oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I know so. Well, I take that as a compliment. Well, you're awesome, too. Thank you. Love you. Love you too.